Craig Smee shares the top five resolutions for New Year's, and, and these really haven't changed over the years. Uh, number five, take up a new hobby. Uh, number four, make more money. Number three, improve my relationships. We'll come back to that one here in a few minutes. I'm going to share the number one thing to destroy a relationship, and you can see scientific evidence of how relationships either live or die here, and I'll share that here in just a moment. So if you're looking to improve a relationship, just a few minutes here, we'll look at the number one thing to stop doing to help your relationship be much more healthy. Uh, number two, top resolution, stop smoking. And of course, number one, as always, is to, to lose weight or to exercise. Now we understand most people give up their resolutions within the first uh, two weeks of the year. If you look at businesses, they provide a great principle though for just choosing a different standard. If you look at businesses, half don't exist after the first five years. When you get to 10 years, only 4% of companies are still around. Well, why do those four companies still exist? Because they simply refuse to quit. Uh, they found a way to break through, they found a new way to do things, a better way to do things, and they had the determination and the hard work. So when you look at resolutions, not just a New Year's thing, but trying to change your life or to live at a different level, deeper faith, deeper commitment, all of these things, keep in mind the, the rule is to not give up, not quit. We've been looking at Ezra these past few weeks, and his story is somebody who refused to quit. He did not give up. Ezra is an incredibly important story. All the names that we think about that come up at the end of the Old Testament are during the same time frame. The story of Esther takes place in this time frame. Daniel takes place during this time frame. Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Zechariah, Haggai, all these stories are around this same time frame. And again, Ezra, he's been in Babylon as a slave. Now he's given freedom to go back to Jerusalem, and it's a four-month hike to get there. 50,000 people already left. He's now leading the next group. They've already built the temple. His job is to go back and bring a spiritual renewal and a, a recommitment to being obedient to God. And talk about understanding not quit. The city had been destroyed. The people had been taken captive. Every reason to give up, but Ezra is a story about new beginnings, God rebuilding broken things, and starting fresh. So as you move into the new year, think about a few verses we read here in Ezra and this picture of don't quit. A great picture of that in our modern times is uh, Sir John Templeton. Now, many people know him. He passed away a few years ago, but know him from the Templeton Foundation, which gives money to spiritual growth. Maybe it's a school or a, a prayer center that's been started. Somebody wrote a book about the spiritual life. He dedicated his life to giving money to people that were helping others grow spiritually. Now, here's how he got his money. World War II, coming out of the Depression, you've got the war. People are frightened. They see scarcity selling their stocks. Well, he borrowed money, bought every dollar stock that he could. When everybody else was selling in fear, he bought things in the stock market. As we've said before, the, the decision made from fear is always wrong. So he bought all these stocks, ended the war. He sold all these stocks when people were buying again, made a tremendous fortune. What's just as interesting, though, is what he did next. Talk about taking risk. 
he said, I'm going to take all that money I invested. He had plenty of money now to live off, but he said, I'm going to invest this money where nobody else will. He said, Japan, this country that had been destroyed, their economy destroyed. And he says, I'm going to invest in Japan. I think they'll turn things around. Their companies will bounce back. Everybody said, that's crazy. He invested in Japan. Of course, they did turn things around economically and he made a even greater fortune. And once he made that money, then he said, how can I invest this money back into the world? So again, he gave that to spiritual causes, people making advancements and helping other people grow spiritually. So not choosing fear, he, choosed, he chose to make a decision that was based on looking at facts and looking at evidence and using wisdom. So when you think about risk, Ezra takes this tremendous risk, but his faith is God is going to carry him through and he's not going to quit. So think about a new standard. Think about the beginning of this year and what can you maybe do differently? Here's five questions Anthony Robbins shares. Maybe write down your answers. Think about your answers. Maybe think about these in more detail later. But as you move into the new year, thinking about a different commitment, recommitment, new life, different level, different standard. Here's some questions to think about. Anthony Robbins, the first one is, what is one of the hardest, toughest things you have gotten through? Maybe it was last year, 10 years ago. What's the first thing that comes to mind? What's one of the toughest things you've been brought through? Ezra's coming out of a history of people going through very difficult times because all through the Old Testament, there's all this conflict between families and fighting and there's disobedience to God's call. Finally, the city of Jerusalem got destroyed. Now they're going back to rebuild it. Talk about going through a tough time. Everything he had known had been destroyed. What's one of the toughest things you got through? Number two, what did you learn or believe at the time of that experience? Number three is very key. Number three, the third question is, what was your life right before that problem really like? Right before that problem, what was your life really like? We tend to sugarcoat things, see things with rose-colored glasses, but stop and say, what was your life really like? We say, you know, that event changed things, that event, that person, that time, everything before that was so good. What was it really like? I've shared before, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and in boot camp. When you're in boot camp, everything seems better. Everything seems so great. And so there was a problem though. A lot of the, the people in boot camp, they remembered very fondly some girl back at home. And because they were comparing it contrast to boot camp, they thought, well, she was perfect. So boot camp comes to an end. You get 10 days leave. Tons and tons of people went home and got married and it was a big mistake, but the contrast was so great. They thought she's perfect. It was heaven before boot camp. It got so bad. The marriages and the divorce rate, the commandant at that time wanted a proposal to Congress that said, you can't get married in your first four years in the Marine Corps. Now he was fired for that. And of course they said no to that, but it shows you contrast we look back at moments and think boy before this it was so perfect but what was it really like before that problem because that's key because number four the question is what action did you take to get through that problem and then the last question how is your life better today because you went through this challenging time 
What was the challenging time? What did you learn? What was life like right before that challenge? What did you do to get through that challenge? How's your life better today because of that challenge? Keep these things in mind. We'll go through 2017. There'll be challenges. There'll be obstacles. But look back at these moments and say, you know what? God brought me through. I learned things. I grew. So when the challenging moments hit, we can face them with faith. You look at the book of Acts, the disciples, they celebrated going to jail and being beaten because they said, I want the challenges because it allows me to see more clearly God's strength in my life. They celebrated when the challenges come up. A lot of people don't celebrate. They want things to go very smoothly. But in the book of Acts, they said, it allows me to have my faith tested. I want those difficult times. So keep that in mind as we look at Ezra chapter 8. Ezra 8.21 tells us, I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast at the river that we might deny ourselves before God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, for our children, and all our possessions. Now, that's a great prayer to start the new year with, that uh, the Lord would protect me, protect my family, provide everything I need. And Ezra stops the people. They're getting ready to take a four-month journey from Babylon to go back to Jerusalem to help rebuild. And it's a very risky trip, and you'll see why here in just a moment. But it's first thing to do, stop and pray, God, protect me, protect my family, supply my needs. And they took this time for prayer, a great, great thing to stop and do. Love this quote, uh, Terry Bradshaw, taken, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And just kind of keep this quote in mind because I, I think it's key. But he said this about reaching his goals. You know, he had big goals, big dreams, and big accomplishments. But when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he said this, this honor would mean nothing to me at all if I didn't have people who loved me. We are gonna take just a moment here and talk about relationships. Number three on that list of resolutions, people want better relationships. They want love in their life. Let me share something. This is a Dr. John Gottman. He does actually scientific studies with couples thousands upon thousands of them. What he does is he has a husband and wife discuss an issue they disagree about, but they don't just talk. He hooks them up to machines. They will read their blood pressure, read the sweat on their skin, watch their eyes dilate, their heart rate. And when people get into a discussion where they disagree, your body can't lie. And so if you disagree with somebody, that's not the issue. What he says is the number one issue though that destroys marriages, and he can see this when he's doing these readouts, when couples that are having a disagreement are hooked up to these machines. He's got a 92% accuracy rate that he can say you'll be divorced within four to five years, and he's been right 92% of the time. He said, number one reason marriages fail, I can tell you unequivocally, without a doubt, the number one reason is criticism, criticism. Now it's not about disagreeing. It's not about difference of opinion, but when you criticize somebody, it causes havoc inside. Now outside, they may say, oh, I'm fine, but your body can't lie. Heart rate's going, blood pressure up, tension in the skin, sweat in the skin, eyes are dilating, all these things happening. You can't maybe see them, but that's why the machines are there. And it reveals 
When somebody's criticized, it tears them up inside. If that criticism continues, you are looking at the death of a relationship. If that is where you are, your goal for this year, I pray, will be to change the things you say. What does scripture say? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, the things that we say, that we may stop and consider carefully what and how we're going to say something. You want a better relationship? Change the way that you talk to your partner. Change the things that you say. A New Year's resolution to maybe pray, Lord, protect me, protect my family, provide my needs, and let me become somebody that you want me to be and live as you call me to live. Ezra chapter 8, verse 24 Ezra says this, I set apart 12 of the leading priests and I weighed out to them the silver and the gold and the vessels, the offering for the house of our God that the king, his counselors, his lords, and all Israel there present had offered. First thing they have as a responsibility, a four-month journey, is to carry back an offering. The reason this is so risky is modern estimates of the amount are about one and a half million dollars. Now, Ezra said, the king offered to bring me a security guard, but I turned him down. And he said, the reason I turned him down is I told the king, my God will protect me. And so he said, I had to walk in that faith. So when he counts out and weighs gold and the silver and the offerings, stop for a moment for you and I stepping into the new year. What are we offering to God? with our commitments, with our time, with our obedience, with a a renewed commitment maybe as well. This is something uh, Jim Mooney wrote, uh, four ways that God shapes our life. So think about this as you think about your commitments and recommitments and deeper commitments. Here's four things that help to shape our life God uses. Uh, Number one, personal experiences. Uh, For example, the family you grew up in, your husband, your wife, your personal experiences up until this point. Number two, vocational and educational experiences, your jobs, your schooling. Number three, spiritual experiences, your private and corporate worship, your prayer, your Bible study, your growth in Christ, your spiritual disciplines. And number four is the one many may not want to put on their list, but number four is key. Number four is painful experiences. God often uses painful experiences to shape our life. That's what's taking place in Ezra. Everything had been lost. They're rebuilding from scratch, rebuilding through the pain. And not everybody's going to agree with Ezra with the level of commitment that he has out of that group that's there with him. But he's the one leading them to see a different level, a new standard of commitment. So Jim Mooney goes on and shares this. So there's four ways that God may shape us. You have your experiences, your job, your school, spiritual growth, and painful experiences. And he said, here's three questions to ask, though, about your life up to this point. First of all, number one, what have I learned? This is a great quote. He says, I know people 40, 50 years old, but they don't have 40 or 50 years experience. They've had the same year of experience over and over. They've never learned anything. What have you learned from past experience? If you don't sit down and think it through, you'll end up repeating the same mistake over and over because you didn't learn from it the first time. 
Some people have 50 years of life, but not 50 years of experience. Uh, number two, what are my assets? Jim Mooney says, what have I got going for me? Have I got my health? Have I got freedom? Am I still mentally sound? Have I have, do I have friends? Have I got the Lord? Have I got a church family? What do I have that I can get a fresh start with? One of the things about January is to stop and say, what are my assets? Things maybe I haven't stopped to really consider or remember that I've got in my life. Scripture says that we are given gifts that we can't even count or even our mind can't even imagine what God is doing and going to do in our life. And the last one, who can help me? Who do you know that has the wisdom or the assets or the encouragement or the connections that can help you get to the next level personally, relationships, in your job, spiritually, whatever the area is, stop and think, who is the one that may be able to help me? Ezra continues, I said to them, the priest carrying that one and a half million dollars, I said to them, you are holy to the Lord. The vessels are holy, the silver, the gold, a free will offering to the Lord, the God of your ancestors. You are holy. That is so important as we step into the new year to stop and understand that is for you, for me in Christ. We are holy, not in ourselves, but because of Christ. We live an exchanged life. His life, His holiness is now accounted to us. Yes, we still have sin in our life, but sin is not the power of our life. Sin may exist, but Christ is the power. Billy Sunday said this, I know the devil is real for two reasons. Number one, because the Bible says so. And number two, because I've done business with him. We don't deny sin is a reality in each of our lives. What we deny is it is the power of our life. Paul said, if you've died to sin, how can you live any longer therein? If you've died to it and you're now alive to God in Christ in a new life, sin is not the power of your life. Your identity is now you are holy, not by your own goodness, but because of Christ, his righteousness now covers you. So you are holy. So when you step into this new year, let that be an identity you take to heart that you are holy. Since you are holy, how will you think different, behave different, act different, pray different, speak different? And then the last thing we'll look at here in Ezra, we're told this. Ezra 8, 24 to 29, we're closing here, but Ezra says, guard these, keep them until you weigh them before the chief priest and the Levites within the chambers of the house of the Lord. All that gold and silver, that one and a half million dollars, they weighed it in Babylon. And he says, keep, and keep watch over this and weigh it again in Jerusalem. They're giving an account for what they were responsible for. Same thing for us. We're moving into a new year. God has given us gifts and a calling, and we'll give an account for that day to day. Have we been faithful? Will we be faithful? You know, you think about the prodigal son story, and if you think about the part of the story where we're told he was living in deep sin and he lost everything, and he's basically eating out of a trash can and most English translations say, then he came to his senses, Luke 15, 17. But a literal translation, he's there eating garbage. He comes to his senses and he says, I don't need to eat out of a trash can. I can at least go home and be a servant on my father's farm. And he came to his senses is a literal translation is he came to sanity. He came to sanity. 
If you're in Christ, there's a time when sin had a power over your life and then you came to sanity and you said, by God's grace, I don't have to live like this anymore. I can simply live just like Jesus by his strength, his spirit dwelling in me, him giving me the strength, the ability to live life, an abundant life that looks much different than that sin-powered life. You ready to move into 2017? Remember, there's a time you came to sanity and you trusted Christ with your life. What have you learned? What's a big experience? How did it change you? What'd you do to get through? How are you a better person because of that challenging time? What have you learned spiritually? What are some things you might do differently this year and who do you know that could help you grow in the areas you most need to grow let's move into this new year knowing the promise that in christ we are holy recognize we'll give an account for how we deal with the gifts he's given us and he's called us to be faithful to watch the things that we say to watch the things that we do to watch the person that we become So let us live with a different standard, a new standard to go deeper and further and grow more and more just like Jesus as we move into 2017.